Welcome to Rave Dad's Diary, the show that explores the globalization of electronic dance music from the perspective of a rural Alberta boy turned raver. I'm your host and resident Rave Dad, Paul Brooks. Rave Dad's Diary broadcasts on CJSW 90.9 FM in Calgary at the University of Calgary campus and community radio station located on Treaty 7 land. I acknowledge the traditional territories of the people of the Treaty 7 region in southern Alberta, which includes the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Siksika, the Pagani, and Kaina First Nations, the Sutina First Nation, and the Stony Nakoda. The city of Calgary is also home to Métis Nation of Alberta, Region 3. Welcome to Rave Dad's Diary. It's March 2nd, 2022, and festival announcements are popping up. Shambhala Music Festival has announced their 2022 dates after a couple of years off. And closer to home in Calgary, Sled Island Music and Arts Festival announced their first wave lineup yesterday. So today we're going to go into the RDD archives. We'll hear from Contra from Cartel Madras about what it was like touring in the United States exactly two years ago when the poop started hitting the fan. We'll revisit my 2020 conversation with festival harm reduction experts Dance Safe. And we'll also go back to my conversation with Mutech Montreal's artistic director, Elaine Mongeau, and performer and producer, Priori. All that and more is coming up on today's episode of Rave Dad's Diary. But first, here's a brand new track out today from Plastic Man and pianist Chili Gonzalez. The unlikely duo has announced Consumed in Key. A reimagining of Plastic Man's 1998 magnum opus, Consumed. It's a very Canadian affair, with Tiga in the producer's seat. Here's a first taste of the project. This is Contain in Key.
That was Plastic Man and Chili Gonzalez with Contain in Key, their new project, a reimagining of Plastic Man's 1988 album Consumed, will be out on April 1st on Secret City Records in Canada and worldwide on Turbo. It was two years ago this month that the music industry and much of the world came to a screeching halt because of COVID-19. At that time, Calgary Sisters and sub-pop recording artists Cartel Madras were on tour in the United States opening for Sudan Archives. In 2021, I spoke with Contra about what it was like touring while the world was closing down. Up until up until last year, though like I had been dabbling in kind of like creative direction and like production related to just like different artistic practices, my main source of income was touring. So like that was like wiped, right? And it was it was wild to see that happen kind of so quickly because like it was and like 2020 was like our tour year. It was like, oh, we're going to we're going to Europe. We're going to India. We're we were in America, right? When when everything happened. Can so, we talk about that for a minute? Because yeah, you yeah. were on a tour. You were on a tour in February and mm-hmm. March. You were like surfing on the crest of the pandemic like you were like one step ahead of it what was tell me about that it was wild like it was literally because we were touring with sudan archives um for anyone who doesn't know sudan archives is an artist out of um the u.s uh wildly talented so like um me and my sister um who are kata madras and our dj young kamaji we were touring we were her opening act so we were touring with her across the states and uh, it was our first truly international tour. Um, we'd finally gotten, you know, like our visas, which took way longer than it needed to because our name is Cartel. Um, <laughs> but so like we, 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 we finally had our visas. So we were open to international touring. We had the Sudan Archives tour. And then immediately after we were going to go on tour with Clipping. So it was like a very big year for us. And while we were touring... Right. It, we, and we were touring. You have to realize, like, touring at our level is absolutely unglamorous. Right. Like we were touring from like Greyhound bus to normal bus to subway train to sometimes an Uber. Like that. Was <laughs> really right. The only time we got on a flight was when we had to fly from uh, like Calgary to Toronto because even even coming out of like Toronto uh to New York we took a fucking bus because we were broke as fuck right so it was like it was like broke touring um and when you are touring like that you are really hearing everything happening on the ground you are kind of immediately kind of exposed to everyone's networks and you like when we were in the states as we were, cause we'd have to sit on buses for like six hours every morning to get to the next stop. And, um, I remember we were like on Twitter and every day there'd be a new wave of news and Americans, Americans are wild. They, they don't care until they have to. Right. So like, there was a lot of people we were seeing who were just like, ah, oh, this is jokes, except for people who were like the bus drivers, the Uber drivers, the train drivers, like service people were like, the first people who were like, everyone needs to wear a mask. Like they were kind of like the, they were almost like protecting everyone before the government was right. And like, we're we're touring the States in Trump's America, kind of like 
election campaigning had begun, mm-hmm. right? Like, I remember that too. So that was like a whole thing as well, right? And it was like a very political moment to tour in. And I remember at one point we were in New York and we were we were in like, we, we went to a Jamaican restaurant to pick up food. And um, I think we were in Brooklyn. And we were, we were like, actually our Airbnb was like in like Pop Smoke's neighborhood. Um, so, and it, it was like very wild to be there because I think also Pop Smoke had like just passed. So everyone was playing him. And then I remember we went to this Jamaican store and then like every single speaker started blaring. And then the news came on and it was like, okay, we're in a state of emergency now. And then we were like, wait, what? And it was just wild, right? Like you went out to the street and everyone was just kind of like, a bit panicked. Everyone was kind of like looking at each other and not really sure where we were going because no one was sure what was going to happen. Right. But like a state of emergency being declared in a city like New York is a wild thing. And then for that to happen. And then, you know, for us to have to go and play like the Bowery ballroom that night was very surreal. And, and we were, we were like the last show there. Yeah. You, I, I was watching it. I was watching, you know, doors close behind you on the tour. And you like played your, I, was, was your final show in New York City? Our final show was in Philly, which is also wild because they had already shut down shows. And we were like, so we're not playing, right? And then like the owners of the club were like, get on stage. And we were like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, that's what I'm saying. Like Americans don't give down until they really have to. And I understand. I think people, it, but that's the thing. We were literally like, it felt like we were like dancing atop like this weird current. And we like finished that tour, called, um, called like our agent, called our manager. And they were like, come back. They're closing the border. And we, we were, our plan was to stay for a few more days in Philly and like party. And then, um, we, we were like, oh shit. And we had to like, we, we got off stage in Philly, came to our hotel room, packed up, found a way to switch the flights and then literally ran to the airport. It was so, it was such a insanely chaotic time. Thanks for sharing that story. That's wild. Yeah. You're listening to Rave Dad's Diary on 90.9 FM CJSW. My name is Paul Brooks, and that was my conversation with Contra from Cartel Madras about their 2020 tour that crashed into the pandemic. Up next, I want to share with you a clip about festivals from one of my earliest episodes of Rave Dad's Diary, where I speak with Kristen Karras and Mitchell Gomez from the U.S. nonprofit harm reduction organization Dance Safe. I had fun writing this script and remembering that sense of discovery of exploring raves and festivals as a young pup. Harm reduction is something we all employ every day, especially during the COVID-19 pandemic. Examples of everyday harm reduction practices include things like washing your hands frequently with soap and warm water, wearing a seatbelt when you're driving, and wearing a helmet when you're playing hockey. This line of thinking can be applied to social contexts such as parties, concerts, and festivals. 
My introduction to the intersections of harm reduction and dance music happened at Shambhala Music Festival in British Columbia. I remember someone there telling me that there was a booth at the festival scientifically testing people's ecstasy. And the people at this booth could tell you if they thought the sample ecstasy tablet contained MDMA. That blew my mind. When I found the bustling tent at the festival, which is operated by the nonprofit AIDS Network Kootenai Outreach and Support Society, or Anchors, I saw a scene that seemed very out of place at the rave. Inside the tent, rubber-gloved volunteers sat at a table peering into white dinner plates with very tiny piles of colorful powder on them. As I watched in geeky amazement, the Anchors volunteers carefully dropped single drops of chemicals known as reagents onto the samples. They made note of the subtle chemical reactions occurring, such as color changes and off-gassing, and then they discussed the results with their eager peer. Scattered on every surface in the Anchors booth was free, non-biased educational literature on safer substance use and safer partying. Some of the literature was designed to look like rave flyers and featured information about the effects and risks of substances like alcohol, tobacco, cannabis, MDMA, LSD, and cocaine. Like most people visiting the booth, I took one of each. One of each of the flyers. These eye-popping drug info cards and the drug-checking kits used by anchors at Shambhala came from DanceSafe, a U.S.-based nonprofit promoting health and safety within the dance music community. Founded in the San Francisco Bay Area in 1998 by Emmanuel Serifos, DanceSafe currently has chapters throughout the United States and Canada. I even helped form a chapter in Calgary, Alberta, called Calgary Party Safe. DanceSafe's bright yellow booths are a staple at EDM events in the United States. Their yellow-shirted volunteers provide a safe space to engage in conversations about health, drug use, and personal safety. DanceSafe also provides free water and electrolytes to help prevent dehydration and heat stroke, free safer sex tools to avoid unwanted pregnancies and the spread of STIs, free earplugs to prevent hearing loss, and plenty of fact-based, unbiased information on drug effects and potential harms to empower users to make informed decisions. In mid-November, I spoke via Zoom with DanceSafe's Executive Director, Mitchell Gomez, and Director of Operations, Kristen Karras. Mitchell is in Denver, and Kristen is in Los Angeles. We talked about what DanceSafe does now and how the organization is growing, evolving, and delivering important services despite the pandemic. Talk about what it looked like delivering harm reduction services a year ago, last summer. Can you take me to a festival, Kristen? What would my experience be like as a festival goer engaging with Dance Safe back in the day? Yeah, absolutely, Paul. So back in the day, you would be with your friends walking through a music festival, maybe wandering down vendor row, possibly starting to catch a med tent in your eye. And then you would see this bright yellow 10 by 10 pop up with DanceSafe sprawled across it. At that 10 by 10 booth, you would find DanceSafe volunteers behind tables that displayed drug information, other health and safety literature, free external condoms, free disposable earplugs, water and electrolytes. And you would be able to walk up to 
to that booth and start to engage with your fellow peers that were behind the booth. Uh, if it was your first time ever seeing Dance Safe, they'd start giving you a little intro to what Dance Safe is, who we are, what we do. You know, we're a 501c3 public health nonprofit that seeks to promote health and safety within the electronic music and nightlife communities. We are here to help you optimize your time and to have a good night out. And folks would then be able to ask questions about different health and safety topics that they were interested in. We are well known for addressing drugs and providing reliable drug information. And when allowed, we are also well known for providing drug checking services where individuals are able to bring their substances to us to learn more about the contents of the substance in question so that they have more information to be making informed decisions about their own mind and bodies. Mitchell, how would you characterize 2019 for DanceSafe? How are things going up to that point? Even up until last year, uh, growing would be how I would uh, sort of categorize things. Uh, you know, we've we've been expanding our services, uh, expanding the types of services that we offer, uh, really branching out into being, you know, more than just uh, drug checking, which is sort of what our reputation has been for a long time. Um, although uh, we've actually done more than that since the very beginning, but that's just sort of the been the dance safe reputation. Uh, but you know, even. Uh, even when we are providing drug checking services, I think that a really important thing to remember about the services is that they're not just the harm reduction services. They're also a really good way to reach people who might otherwise not be uh, receptive to drug education, right? You know, we're down here in the United States where we've been so, so heavily propagandized by drug war propaganda, just say no, dare style programs, uh, that even getting someone to accept you know, your accurate, unbiased drug information is really a challenge a lot of times because they're coming from this place of, you know, being told from the time they're 10 years old that, oh, if you smoke marijuana, you're, you're going to develop schizophrenia and start using heroin. And like, and these are, these are real things that are taught in like the American educational system. Uh, I don't, I don't know what things are like up in, up in Canada in terms of like, you know, early childhood drug education. Uh, but here it really is just drug war propaganda. It's not accurate. It's not factual information. Uh, and so drug checking is a really good way of overcoming that sort of resistance that people have towards accurate information. Uh, and that works even if we can't be doing drug checking at an event, right? People come up because they've heard about us. Uh, and even, even if at event we aren't able to provide drug checking services, it still works as a way of, of uh, sort of opening that door of communication. Uh, the, the one thing I would like to mention uh, is that uh, in addition to reagent checking, DanceSafe is now sort of rolling out uh, FTIR drug checking. So the same sort of thing that you might have seen at, at Sham up in Canada. Uh, and so it's really an exciting time for, for drug checking services uh, between the sort of dis distribution of these fentanyl immunoassay strips that has sort of come online over the last couple of years. Uh, the fact that that technology had to be developed is horrifying. Uh, fentanyl adulteration is a, uh, as somebody who really likes to avoid the word scary or like Russian roulette metaphors, uh, fentanyl has actually changed the dynamic of substance use in a way that's really scary. Uh, and so it's not propaganda to say that. It's an accurate statement of risk. Uh, and so, yeah, the development and distribution of, of, of you know, high-tech drug checking services uh, particularly as states decriminalize, I think we're going to start seeing more and more drug checking services offered 
through things like county health departments, through needle exchanges, through safe use facilities. So people who might not have the interest or financial ability to access drug checking at music festivals uh, are going to have drop-in drug checking opportunities. I'm pretty certain within the next year or two in the United States, that's going to be a thing where there's going to be places in some states where you can take your drugs in during regular business hours, uh, have them run through very high-tech equipment and leave with a really good understanding of the risks of those substances. And that's really, really exciting and a major sea change in the sort of dynamic of the drug war in this country. That was Mitchell Gomez and Kristen Karras from Dance Safe, a U.S.-based nonprofit harm reduction organization that works at festivals and music events. Up next, I have two more clips for you about festivals. During the pandemic, we all got used to live streams and watching artists from the comfort of our own home. I think that live streams, for me personally, uh, were very novel at the beginning of the pandemic. But nothing holds a candle to live music. Let's, let's be real. I had a chance to speak with Elaine Mangeau from Mutech Festival while they were preparing a version of the festival that would be presented in a hybrid presentation with some live and some live streamed performances. This is Elaine Mangeau talking about his thoughts on live streams and how they will be integrated into Mutech moving forward. Even though most people emphasize that a virtual format can never replace an in-person event, do you see any advantages a virtual festival can offer? Um, yeah, I think, I mean, for us, for instance, last year when we started developing our own platform, one of the questions we had, like, is this going to be something very... Uh, uh, limited in time, or is that something that we, we will remain after the pandemic? And our answer back then, and it's still the the case now, is the whatever we're doing in the virtual realm is something that's going to remain uh, after the pandemic. We've discovered there uh, a tool to communicate to a larger audience, etc. Uh, it's not an end in itself. It's more something that's part of our uh, toolkit now, uh, and uh, and of course, you know, in these times where it's difficult to travel, where people uh, are kind of stuck home, it, it's it's kind of a good alternative. It's better than nothing. Uh, and we we I think we will discover in the years to come other um, let's say. Uh, other dimensions that, that, that could be good to keep in the virtual side of things. Uh, for instance, you know, in the last years, we, we had been seeing more and more people hesitating to travel for uh, uh, because of the climate change uh, issues and stuff like that. So, you know, if, if people do reduce their traveling, we, we still want to get, remain in touch with an audience that is interested in what the festival is about. So, 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 so we'll, for, for sure for us, it's something that's going to remain and hopefully evolve into an interesting complement to what we do. That was Elaine Mongeau from Mutech Montreal talking about live streams 
and presenting festivals in digital formats as well as live formats. And there you have it. The digital format is here to stay. I'm going to leave you now with a conversation I had on that same episode I spoke to Elaine. Uh, This is a conversation with Montreal producer Priori. I got to see Priori perform at Mutech 2019, and that dance party really stuck with me uh, through these past couple of years. Well, I haven't been able to go out and go to clubs and go to to parties. Uh, You know, I stored up a lot of good memories and and party energy from from that event. So I'm going to leave you off with my conversation with Priori and a small clip from that set that I got to catch in Montreal. Priori has a new remix package coming out here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, Last year, he put out a, a magnificent album called Your Own Power, And now there's a remix package on the way with all sorts of incredible talent, including a DJ Python. So watch for Your Own Power Remixed coming soon. We're listening to some music by Priori. This week, I caught up with the Montreal-based producer over Zoom, and we talked about his contributions to Mutech Montreal and the upcoming hybrid Cutting Edge Canada Virtual Festival. We're talking on March 9th, 2021, which is kind of our one-year anniversary of everything grinding to a halt in the music industry. Tell me a little bit about what you've been working on over the past year. Uh, I've been, I mean, I've been pretty much going just between my house and the studio at this point, uh, which is just a five-minute walk. So I go there every other day because my studio mate is doing the other day. And uh, I've been... I think also because of the circumstances, I've been doing less collaborations and stuff like that. So I've really been focusing on my own music, um, you know, getting acquainted to new new gear and finding interesting ways of working with it. So I don't know. I'm I'm pretty happy with the the new material that I've prepared, and um, and it's just been a, like a really nice taking the time to experiment again, which I wasn't doing so much in the previous years. Just you know lack of time being, you know, being on the road sometimes and stuff like that. So that's, that was kind of pleasant for me to get back into like the experimental zone, trying things out, seeing what sticks and stuff like that. Yeah. Tell me about how the Montreal dance music community that you're a part of is staying connected and staying optimistic through this time. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's easier in the summer, to be honest. Uh, right now, we're in the deep of winter. I mean, it's coming to close, but it's it's just a little harder because it's hard to hang out outside with people. It's minus 30 and stuff like that. But um, I've actually, strangely enough, built stronger connections with some some friends and some people I make music with just via, I think, really like making a point of staying in touch and not being isolated. So I've been having like long walks. I'll just go, you know, meet up with a friend, have like a two hour walk, come back home or like, you know, jump on a call with someone and just talk for hours about, you know, could be music, but could be anything. And I think that's actually brought me closer to to some people, which is not a bad thing. Yeah. Also making a point of 
not being on the internet too much, you know, <laughs> trying to like get some real life interactions as much as we can in like a safe context. What does it mean for you to have Mutech including your uh, performance from the 2020 version of Mutech Montreal in their hybrid Cutting Edge Canada program this weekend? What's it like having the support of a of a organization like Mutech? It's super nice. I um, to be honest, Mutech, you know, had like when I was younger, getting into electronic music and stuff like that. I went through. I mean, so many different phases, but, you know, I listened to Daft Punk. I got into Daft Punk first, probably, and then got into it. And as I got deeper and deeper into electronic music, the stuff that was closest to home was was Mutech. And uh, and uh, they had, at that time, they had a very specific style that was kind of like, you know, minimal, glitchy, experimental stuff. There's like raster notes and, or artists coming through and stuff like that. And I think it's really it's always been in the back of my head, like that kind of textural sound and like sound design aspect of it that re you know, really was kind of like that's Mutech really brought that out of the Montreal scene, you know? And, uh, as I started going to the festival, uh, I just met a lot of people that I wouldn't end up, you know, collaborating with or just hanging out with and stuff like that. So it's really a place I have, a lot of memories of going to Mutech, even working at Mutech. Uh, and um, yeah, so it's, it's super nice to have their support in that, in the, especially in the last few years, you know, as I've been like developing a sound or trying to develop a sound and they're responding to it positively and including them in the, including me in the lineups and stuff. So it's, yeah, it's, it's really nice of them and really helpful for me. So the the one that's presented at Dresden uh, was shot last year uh, during the pandemic. Uh, yeah, as like a hybrid thing. Yeah, let's talk about that. So in September 2020, Mutech delivered a, a hybrid edition of their festival and their forum program. So uh, there were presentations from Mutech's international uh, partners um, and then there was also some live shows that were happening within the public health guidelines, and those were being broadcast on the virtual Mutech platform. What was it like being an artist playing one of the only live gigs in the world last year? <laughs> yeah, it was it was so abstract until the very last minute because no one knew what would be possible in the context, you know. But I don't know, big, big up for them for making it happen and, you know, making it happen safely for everybody. Um, I think I remember it there being about like 60 people when I performed, everyone with a mask at a distance, but it also didn't seem too forced. Like I was seeing those, I remember seeing pretty ridiculous videos of like people standing apart with their hands in the air at a festival, you know, and it looked, it looked so ridiculous. And there was, there seemed to be no point to, you know, but for some reason, the way they did it with the visuals in the dome made a lot of sense. It was like people were apart, but they were lying down, staring at like those crazy 360 visuals uh, and listening, you know, listening to music on a good sound system. And for some reason, to me, it it made sense. You know, I was a bit scared of it be feeling like disingenuous or just like um, forced, you know. But in that in that context, I was like, 
wow, okay, it's there's a reason for this. And I think people who were there enjoyed it properly and you know. For for anybody who has not had the, the, the privilege of seeing or experiencing the dome at the SAT, can you just describe a little bit about what this setup is like? Yeah, I'm not I'm I'm not the most, you know, technically well versed person, especially in when it comes to video and visuals and stuff like that. But um the way I understand it is is like it's basically a this big dome that can fit a maybe two hundred people or something like that. And um about two stories high or maybe a bit more than that. And um, they project from multiple different points, projectors that are basically mapped to the dome. So it's this, it's, you're basically in a, in a half sphere watching visuals that are all around you. Um, and, you know, they can create like really interesting patterns and psychedelic things. So like when you're lying down there and like, you know, the music you know, you're really feeling the music and just watching this going on. It's it's pretty like wild experience, I think. The last time you and I spoke to each other was was in person at Mutec Montreal 2019. Yeah, great uh, memories. <laughs> yeah, I'm wondering if you can uh, take me back to 2019 and what you remember about that edition of the festival and preparing for your set that year. Yeah. It was, um, it's funny. It was my first solo live set ever. And, uh, I think I underestimated the work that was, you know, that I was going to have to put into it. And, uh, and it was a bit of a stressful time for me, but, um, it was also kind of wonderful to just be able to play my music for people in, in such a, it was just a, the right context, you know, it's like the perfect size room. The sound system was nice. Uh, everyone was there like you know, really listening and like trying to soak it in. So I just met a bunch of people, including you and just Mutec is always a good place for um, either, you know, seeing people you haven't seen in a long time or, or just like getting acquainted with like-minded people. So yeah, that was, that was super fun. There's like both the kind of, I remember the stress and I, and I remember the, you know, also being happy and like having a great time. Thank you very much, Francis. We're going to have a listen to a part of that set now. Amazing. Thank you, Paul.
you doing? Fishing. Find anything yet? No, not yet. Oh, looks like you got something now. Oh, 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 great, great. Pull it in. Don't let it get away. Go, 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 go. CJSW 90.9 FM, Calgary. Catch it off the deep end of the dial.